This week, I won't be asking you a question, but I ask you to listen to the short story I'm about to share with you because there is some great wisdom in it. It is called the fortune cookie conundrum. I once wrote an article on this because I was so conflicted by two fortune cookies that I had received. One had the wisdom of good things happen to those that go after them. So great. I will execute. I will lay out a plan and hustle, hustle, hustle. But then the other fortune cookie came across my path and said, good things come to those that wait. I am so confused. It is in direct conflict with the first one. Or is it? Think about it. We do have to lay out our intentions, lay out a strategy, and then execute on it diligently each hour, each day, each week to move one step closer to what we want to achieve. But then, sometimes, we do have to wait. It is the long game. And that is the book that Dory Clark has recently wrote about, and we are going to talk about it extensively. She brings amazing insights to this conversation. Let's listen. There was a tendency oftentimes for people to want to change strategy too quickly. I'd talk to people and we'd talk about something and be like, okay, great. And then like two weeks later, they're like, well, what now? What next? What should I be doing now? You know, my answer, which I think was like kind of disappointing, whether it's people in the recognized expert community or coaching clients, my answer was usually, um keep doing that thing we talked about (laughs) because two weeks is not going to cut it for almost anything. You have to keep plugging away at a thing. And there is often a long period of time, sometimes months, sometimes honestly, even years where you are not entirely sure if the thing is working because you are not seeing immediate results. And so it is partly a leap of faith, but partly a strategic bet. Welcome to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. I'm Deb Coviello, and as the Drop-In CEO, I drop into businesses and assume the CEO role to enhance the human element and increase the results they achieve. This podcast is about bringing you conversations with expert guests who have achieved their greatest results built on a strong foundation of purpose, values, and elevating people. If you're a business leader, entrepreneur, or even just getting started in business, join us as we build the skills you need to achieve your goals. Hello, my name is Deb Coviello, founder of Illumination Partners, and I am grateful for you joining us on another episode of the Drop-In CEO Podcast. Week after week, I speak to amazing leaders and share their insights and inspiration with you. If you like this episode, and I hope you do, please subscribe, rate, and review so we can continue to bring you great programming. And today, a special guest for me, Dory Clark. I cannot wait to have this conversation uh, with her as well as you. But first, a little bit about Dory. She helps individuals and companies get their best ideas heard in a crowded, noisy world. She's been named one of the top 50 business thinkers in the world by Thinkers 50 and was honored as the number one communication coach in the world at the Marshall Goldsmith Coaching Awards. And... She is a keynote speaker and teaches for the Duke University School of Business and Columbia Business School. And she is the author of Entrepreneurial You, which was named a Forbes Top 5 Business Book of the Year, as well as Reinventing You and Standing Out. And we are going to talk about the long game today. She is so accomplished. I'm not going to steal any more. Dory, welcome to the show. 
Hey, Deb, I'm glad to be here with you. All right. So I am so excited because Dory has a special part in my journey as well. I was a successful business leader that had the opportunity to transition into being my own business owner. And at that time, I just stumbled across Stand Out, Reinventing You and Entrepreneurial You, such amazing resources and books that she has written because they are exactly what can help leaders at any point in their career and transformation. So listen in, we are going to go deep into her new book, The Long Game, but Dory, please, a little bit about your backstory and the work that you're doing now. Thank you so much. So broadly speaking, the way I describe my work is that I help individuals and sometimes companies get their message heard in a very crowded and noisy marketplace. And uh, there's a lot of different ways that I try to do that. Uh, my books are one. Uh, and of course, The Long Game is my newest book, How to Be a Long-Term Thinker in a Short-Term World. And I also teach part-time for Duke and Columbia Business Schools. And I, when there's not COVID, I travel a lot giving speeches. And uh, when there is COVID, one thing that has been handy is that for the past uh, six or seven years, I've spent a lot of time cultivating online learning. And so I do that I run courses myself, and then I also have a lot of courses available on platforms like LinkedIn Learning and Skillsoft and Udemy and things like that. So that that is how I spend most of my time when I am not hanging out with my cats in New York City. All right. Well, they're amazing, and we are getting ready that may possibly walk across the screen right now. They are welcome to the show to listen in as well. So let's go into the long game. But a quick question. On the cover of your book, you have a lot of O's and a few X's. Why? I'm curious. Well, the the cover is a little bit of a journey because this is actually, I feel like the fruit of me having written three previous books is I felt, uh, <laughs> rightly or wrongly, I feel like I, I exercised all of it in one fell swoop, but I felt that I had built up enough capital, political capital to fight about the cover because something that, that, that you will be aware of that some, some of your listeners will is when you are an author and you're publishing with a commercial publishing house, you really don't get control over the cover. The cover is kind of what the publisher wants or what the publisher thinks. And of course, they would like you to like it. And if you firmly object, they will perhaps do something. But at the end of the day, they, they, you know, are, are sort of like, well, we're the experts. And so I had a battle royale over the cover. And we ended up with a cover that I actually really love because it has these X's and O's. And, and to me, at least, it's reminiscent of either, you know, like John Madden doing a crazy football play, or it could be like tic-tac-toe, which is also a very strategic game. So I think it's very cool. Along the way, I had to have massive fights because I felt I felt like they were not necessarily really getting the premise of the long game. Famously, <laughs> at least famously to me, they tried to give me a cover that had a snail on it. I'm like, no, that's not the point. The point is it's not a slow game. The point is like, that's not what we want. We don't even like slow. Like it might be slow, but that's that's not the point. Like we would like it to be fast. <laughs> the premise is it's a long game. And then they wanted to give me a dachshund. They're like, well, that's long. I'm like, no, actually, we're not going to have a dachshund either. Like, And then they're like, how about a sloth? I'm like, we are getting colder, people. <laughs> this is not right. So I, I had to I had to really pitch a fit. But ultimately, we got a cover that I like a lot. 
you know, that's so funny. And also just inspirational because, you know, you talk about in your other books about standing out and not doing what everybody else is saying. And if you truly have taken the time to say, what makes you different? What is unique? Why are your thoughts so important for the world here? It is worth fighting for because nobody else is going to fight for you. It starts with you and then you build the following. So kudos for you to fight and put out into the world a cover that will resonate with others. That's right. Thank you. That's that's the moral of the story, people. If you're writing a book and someone wants to put a sloth on the cover, you can say no. <laughs> and that's why, and I'm just going to do a quick little pitch, the CEO's compass, your guide to get back on track. I also did not follow what the guru said. It had to be like a three color theme and it had to say how to do this five-step approach to get you XYZ results. No. I want the compass, the compass to be the focal point. I want this to be something that you pull out every day. It has to be beautiful and innovative and creative. So lesson to everybody, do your own thing. You're probably right in the long game. So why did you write the book? I mean, that's uh, what, what uh, you're a prolific writer, prolific content creator. Why this book now? I wrote the long game because I have been thinking for, for a long time about is some of the challenges that all of us are facing that we, I think just about everyone can probably agree that we're living in a society that it seems like more and more every day prioritizes the short term. I mean, this is certainly human nature that we want fast results and, and we compare ourselves to other people. I mean, that is a thing that people have always done, but the internet has accelerated that. Social media has accelerated the ability that we have to compare ourselves to other people. And it can be a little demoralizing. It can be a sort of pernicious influence. So I wanted to, to kind of fight back against that. What was immediately the inspiration for the book is for the past five years, I've run an online course in community called Recognized Expert. And I began to see patterns over time in the community members. You know, these are, are folks who are smart professionals. They want to get their ideas out there more. They want to grow their platform and be able to make a bigger impact. And what I would often see with folks, and I went through this myself, so I, I began to, to recognize these patterns, is there was a tendency oftentimes for people to want to change strategy too quickly. I'd talk to people and, and they'd say, oh, you know, so we'd talk about something and be like, okay, great. And then like two weeks later, they're like, well, what now? What next? What should I be doing now? And my, you know, my answer, which I think was like kind of disappointing, whether it's people in the recognized expert community or coaching clients, my answer was usually, um, keep doing that thing we talked about <laughs> because two weeks is not going to cut it for almost anything. You have to keep plugging away at a thing. And there is often a long period of time, sometimes months, sometimes honestly, even years where you are not entirely sure if the thing is working because you are not seeing immediate results. And so it is partly a leap of faith, but partly a strategic bet. And I wanted to write a book. That's what the long game is that attempted to try to help people think through those questions of how do I know where I should be investing my time? How do I know how long to persist when I am not getting feedback? And how can I make sure that I am not making the strategic error of giving up too quickly on something that might indeed work? It might even work well, but it's just taking longer than we want it to. 
So grateful for that. And you have to support that learning and that alternate way of thinking. You created an additional resource. I'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit more about the assessment. I think it could be a great tool as well. Yeah, thank you, Deb. I, I appreciate it. I did create a companion to the long game. It's a it's a free download for anybody who would like it. It's the long game strategic thinking self-assessment. It excerpts, I think, about 15 questions from and inspired by the book to help you grasp more of a the long-term perspective around your company and around your career, your own trajectory as a professional. And folks can download it for free at doryclark.com slash the long game. I'm grateful for that because in preparation for this conversation, I took that assessment, I went through it. And, you know, for somebody that I'm very driven, I want results fast because I feel like I'm trying to catch up. I didn't start my business when I was 25. At the same time, I see things in the future that I know are the right things to do. And so I set out a strategy one month, one year at a time. And it is frustrating and lonely because I can see it, but others may not. So my question to you, and you talk about this in the book is, or in the resource guide is keeping the faith. So at what point do you say, I'm going to keep going versus, okay, maybe it is now time to change the strategy. Just a couple thoughts or tips around that. This is always the important question, right? Because, you know, no, nobody wants to be, the, the, you know, the sort of dumb person clinging to a life raft where it's like, oh, but it but it still might sail. You know, you, you, don't, you don't want to go like way past the expiration date. But you also don't want to be the person that is you give up. And if you had kept going for another month or, or year or whatever in your journey, like you would have had huge success and you just abandoned ship. So how do you strike that balance? And it is a real challenge for all of us to figure out. But one of the concepts that I talk about in the long game that I think is important here is something that I call looking for the raindrops. Because a problem that I've seen, which is very common for professionals, is we come up with a vision for what our eventual future success will look like. And then until we actually achieve literally that vision, we just feel like, okay, well, I'm not there yet. The problem is that oftentimes the things we're aspiring toward are pretty big things. Like they take a while. So that means there's this period of like, oh, three years, five years, 10 years where it's like, I'm not there yet. And it feels exhausting because like, how long is this going to take? What I suggest instead is that we really need to be looking for the raindrops, meaning what are the interim signs of progress, which might be very subtle at first. It might literally feel like a raindrop where, you know, there's going to be a downpour. But in the early stages, you're like, was that a raindrop? Like, is this happening? I can't quite tell. Hmm. Was it an air conditioner? And, you know, you're trying to figure it out. But you look for those things and it does two things. Number one is it can keep you encouraged along the path and it can keep you moving forward. And the second is that it actually provides evidence that you're moving in the right direction, because without any evidence, you know, you begin to wonder, you begin to question yourself. But if you're seeing these these interim signs it can be powerful. What are examples of these kinds of things? They're the things that, that you might tend to write off, right? So for instance, maybe you start to get a lot more LinkedIn invitations and they might be from random people. You're like, what is this? Who are these random people? But you're that's happening because your name is circulating because people have heard of you because they start to get interested in what you're doing. Maybe it's that 
you start to get a lot of inquiries about your products or about your services, and they're not right. You know, they're like, they're, they're the wrong clients. It's not quite right. And that's really easy to be like, oh my God, what a hassle. All I get are these inquiries from people and it's like all wrong. Well, I mean, actually, that is a, a sign of progress that people are, ta- again, they're taking note, right? It might not be the right people yet, but you are starting to be noticed and you are actually seeing some signs of traction where people are beginning to be out there and say, oh, you know, you should talk to Deb. And of course, most referrals are not great referrals because people don't know how to make referrals. Like we have to train them how to do it. But the fact that people are out there saying you should talk to Deb says something. It says your name is in circulation and that this is beginning to work. And we need to look at those things and not dismiss them, not slough them off, not say, oh, well, they invited me to speak at their conference, but it was to do a workshop, not the keynote. We need to say, you know what, five years ago, they wouldn't have known who I was to ask me to do a workshop. So that is progress. Beautiful point. And everybody should be taking note and think back to what were those raindrops. I mean, sometimes we just pass off something like, hey, that was a great job facilitating that meeting. When somebody's trying to up and come in their career, stand out and be a little bit more visible, we need to take inventory, even write those things down. When did somebody say that was really a great job or getting more work because people see you because you're visible. And you have also touched me a little bit because I too, am starting to get a lot of followers. I have people that say, go see Deb, exactly what you said. And then a couple times people said, wow, I was inspired. I'm not where I want to be yet. I, you talk about a seven-year plan. I want to dig into that seven-year plan. Oh my. <laughs> Who has time for a seven-year plan? I'd love for you to talk about why that's important in order to set you up for the future. In the long game, I share a quote, which I I personally think is pretty inspiring uh, by Jeff Bezos. It was a it was a conversation that he had 10 years ago, 2011, in Wired magazine. And they were asking him, why do you think Amazon is successful? And I thought his answer was useful for all of us. He said he thought the reason behind Amazon's success is that the majority of his competitors, the most that they would that they would commit to is to doing planning on a three year cycle. And, you know, you can understand why a company's like, well, things might change and you got to be nimble and blah, blah, blah. So they do three-year planning. Jeff Bezos said what he thinks Amazon's competitive advantage is, is that they are willing to do planning on a seven-year cycle. And what that means is, number one, they can tackle more ambitious projects and more ambitious goals than other people, which means if they pay off, like, they're really going to pay off. You know, case in point, Amazon Web Services, case in point, Amazon Prime, Those are things that did not start out as behemoths, but they became behemoths. And also, it means that you have to be willing to ride out a period of loss up front. Again, these these are things that were not immediately profitable, but over time, they're incredible value in the flywheel and the ecosystem became manifest. But up front, it was like, wait, what? Why are, why are you doing that? It's going to take time and it's going to take patience. But if you're planning on a seven year horizon, and of course it doesn't literally have to be seven years, but you know, what, what we're saying is if, if everyone is doing X, maybe you could do X times two and think about how your thinking would be different if that were the case. 
Great insight. And I often talk about in my works, thinking differently, don't do what everybody else is because you're forever going to be catching up to what they do. Start thinking your own uh, destiny, move in another direction. Eventually, people are going to have to catch up to you. I, I talk about an experience where I gave a speech that was a little bit different than my colleagues. I talked about the why of my leadership and how I was going to lead differently. And only then did we talk about the tactical work we were going to do in the next 12 months. And my boss didn't appreciate it. He said, you didn't take enough time to talk about the what? And when I met with colleagues offline having lunch, they said, we need more leaders like you who think differently. So just know sometimes have the courage to think and do differently because ultimately they may be catching up to you. But curious on a personal note, what's your five or seven year plan? Where are you at in your journey? What's in the horizon for you? One of the things that I talk about in the long game, Deb, is I, I actually share a, a sort of side bit journey that I've been cultivating, which is that in 2016, I created a 10-year plan for myself. And the 10-year plan was that I wanted to learn to write musical theater and have a show on Broadway in the 2026 season. So I am now halfway through this 10-year goal. And so far, I've actually made really good progress. I went from literally not knowing at all how to write musical theater to having been accepted into a pretty prestigious musical theater training program, graduating from that, now being part of the kind of advanced workshop, so to speak, which is kind of this this alumni thing. I have written a complete musical, and I am now in talks with a wide variety of contacts that I've made. I mean, I, I literally know two dozen, three dozen producers in New York, and so I'm meeting regularly with people. I had dinner with a director last night, so I am working the angles to try to get this workshopped and ultimately to uh, hopefully reach Broadway by the 2026 season. That is such a long long aspiration. But you know what? You're halfway there and you chunked it and you did it just one step at a time. But I, I'm just quite curious on a personal note. Why? why? What inspired you? Why that that work? And, and what kind of impact are you hoping to make with that? I got inspired because of a friend, uh, a guy that I actually met at a conference. You know, I mean, this is this is the, the great power of relationships and serendipity. But I met a guy at a conference and he, it turned out, was in the Broadway world. He was the head of a publishing company that would publish the libretto of musicals. And so he had an extra ticket to see Fun Home, uh, which ended up winning the 2016 Tony. And he took me along with him. And I I just was really impressed by that, moved by that. And I woke up the next morning and I said, I need to write musical theater. And that was uh, that was just my my goal. And I decided I wanted to do it. And I then began you know, I, because there's some other interests that I've pursued. I mean, in 2016, I was doing a lot with stand-up comedy as well. But partly, I there's a lot of things that I'm interested in, but I also like to push open doors that are willing to be pushed open. And one challenge with stand-up is how to get stage time. Because the way that you get stage time is largely through, in the early days before you get famous, is largely through so-called bringer shows where you have to recruit your friends, sometimes five, often 10 friends, and then they have to come, they pay a cover charge, and then they have to, there's a, min, a two drink minimum. So it's this very expensive evening for your friends. And you can convince your friends to come a couple times, but you can't really convince your friends to come like 
30 times and you need you need to have the stage time and meanwhile you could do open mics but open mics are not great audiences it's literally just the other comics and they don't think anything's funny so it's it's a little bit of a challenge to get the um the experience that you need with musical theater I discovered through a contact that I met, I discovered that there was this program called the BMI Layman Engel Musical Theater Workshop. It is something that is hard to get into. It's very competitive. But if you get into it, it is a completely free two-year training program run by BMI, the music publishing company. And I thought, oh, well, that's what I need. I need a training program. And I thought, well, Clearly, this is going to be my goal then is to get into this program. And then that will give me a structure so that I can learn. And if I get into this program, this this will be musical theater doing a favor for me. And therefore, I will do a favor for musical theater and I will concentrate on it. <laughs> so I like I like to pay back people who who do favors. So I, I went all in on musical theater. All right. I, I'm, I'm just taking it back. But, you know, what's so inspiring about that is sometimes we wake up, as you say, in the morning with these ideas that, ah, oh, no, that's crazy. But what if we pursue these crazy ideas? You're halfway down the journey of having your own play, your musical theater being published. But you brought up something, the power of networking. One, it's to build relationships and also to find those angles. And in your assessment tool, you do talk about the different types of networking, the short, the long, and the infinite. And it is so hard when you enter the networking forum to know one, which ones are going to be simply short, long, and the infinite ones. Any insight into how we can shorten that learning cycle to find those networking opportunities that matter? Yeah, absolutely. Well, in the long game, I have a, a whole section talking about networking and relationships because I, I think it is so important to our long-term outcomes. It's the connections we have to people enable us to learn about new things, to learn about ourselves, to pursue new directions. And so what I caution against is what I think many people think of as being the entirety of networking, which is short-term networking. It's, oh, I need a thing. Deb has a thing. Let me become friends with Deb. And, you know, it's it's like it feels gross because it is gross. And so I just tell people, look, you know, if you're if you're in a state where you're like desperate for something, sorry, wrong time. Should have planned better. <laughs> you know, like that's not the time to meet people. Like if you need help, obviously go to your existing friends and then they might be able to pull a favor for you with their friends based on their connections. But if you are trying to establish a relationship for the first time with someone when you're in this state of need, you know, give me a job, give me a client, give me a thing. Like, I mean, that that's just like, who wants to be that person? It's it's disgusting. So don't. <laughs> so I actually have a rule that I share in the long game, which I call no asks for a year, because I want to keep it so clean. You're not after something. You're after a relationship. That's it. You take all of the of the other Michigas out of it. So long-term networking is obviously the better alternative. It is what most professionals who do networking well do, which is, yeah, you know, Deb seems interesting. We have common interests. We're sort of in the same world. Like, I don't know what Deb could do for me now. Maybe she could do something for me one day. Who knows? Let's be friends. And that's good. I would say that's great. Like, let's make lots of relationships like that. But the part that I am especially excited about is what you were alluding to, which I call infinite horizon networking. And this is where kind of the magic can happen, because it's the relationships that you form with people where you're like, a lot of people don't even bother to form them because they, they basically say, like, what would this person ever 
be able to get me. They're, you know, they're, they're completely irrelevant to me. Why should I bother? And I like to say, no, those are the ones you should totally pursue because they're interesting. They're fun. Like it's not, it's not about any kind of what can they get me? You are going to learn new things. And so this is a, a perfect case in point. Bruce, the guy that brought me to Fun Home, there's now, I, I now have this like whole 10 year strategy about create, you know, creating a show gets to Broadway. The, all of this happened because of a random guy I met at a conference where I write business and career books and he was the head of a music publishing company. Like that seems very irrelevant. I think a lot of people would have said, like, why would you give Bruce the time of day? But he was an interesting person. And when you build connections with people who are outside what you're doing, it that's actually where you have the greatest potential to change your direction, to learn dramatically new things, and to get interesting results that wouldn't have happened otherwise. So inspiring. And I am so grateful for this conversation. I can't wait for my issue of the long game coming and arriving on my doorstep so I can learn your insights. But as we bring this to a close, Dory, and I hope this is just part of a long networking opportunity, maybe an infinite horizon one, what are some closing thoughts that you have for our listeners? Yeah, thank you so much, Deb. Well, ultimately, in playing the long game, um, you mentioned one aspect of it, which is which is keeping the faith. And the the truth is, I'm I'm a fan of fast results. Like if you can get fast results, God bless. Yeah, let's do that. That's the best. But the reason that we play the long game is that oftentimes, this is just how life works, a lot of the things that we want are slower than we want. And so if we want to get them, we need to learn to be patient. We need to force ourselves to be patient. And that's why I actually have a concept that I talk about in the book called strategic patience. Because for me, regular patience, like, I'm not down with that. That's that's like, you know, oh, just sit back. Maybe good things will happen. That's way too passive. But strategic patience to me is about understanding, first of all, just like straight up understanding that it probably will take a long time and just being being aware of testing hypotheses, of monitoring progress, of looking for the raindrops, and making sure that at every step along the way, we are recognizing we're not just sitting back and letting life happen to us. We are doing things. We are taking action to create the results and the life that we want. And when we do that, even if we don't have control over the timeline, we do have control over the process. And I think that that is important for all of us, especially our psyches being battered by COVID. It was a very reactive time. And now I think it's time to shift and become proactive. And for me, that's what playing the long game is about. All right, Dory, I wish you tremendous success with your new book that's coming out September 21st, as well as all of your books and your offers. I'm grateful for having you as a guest on my show and can't wait for seeing what you do next. Thank you so much, Dory. Thanks, Deb. Thank you for listening to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. My new book, The CEO's Compass, will change the way you think about leadership, navigate rapid transformation, and elevate the leaders of tomorrow. If you're feeling off track, the CEO's Compass assessment will guide you to peace of mind in days, not months. You can learn more about the CEO's Compass by visiting my website at dropinceo.com. Now go out and lead, inspire, and achieve your goals.